out and soaking wet and lost out in a storm. We went inside a spooky house just hoping to get warm. The dusty clock said half past six. We knew that it was wrong. When we set the hands to twelve, the clock began to fall. Welcome to the Plot Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Cole, editor and publisher of Odessa Steps Magazine. The Plot is a co-production of Odessa Steps Magazine and the When It Was Cool Network. Listeners, I'm not going to lie to you. The USP of this podcast, and if I can speak for Carl, the Podcast Network, is this hellbait retro pop culture, which 99% of the time means stuff was better then. Whether it's books, comic books, TV, wrestling, movies, music, what have you. Well, today I'm going to talk about some of the stuff that falls in the 1%. The when kids today look at stuff and they go, you've got to be kidding me, right? We're going to look at some Halloween flavored things that fall under that category. First up, if you've got problems, who are you going to call? We're the Ghostbusters. I'm Spencer. He's Tracy. I'm Kong. We're the Ghostbusters. We're clever, courageous, and strong. Your sleep has been haunted with whispers and rattlings. Your blood has been curdled. We know what to do. Your skin has the creepies. You wonder what's happening. You're safe in our hands. We will take care of you. We're the Ghostbusters. Spirits and demons, beware the Ghostbusters, wherever you're hiding out there. We know what you're up to, we're ready for anything. We're bold and we're fearless and never afraid. We're always prepared, we're right there with everything. With us on the job, trouble soon fade. The Ghostbusters do it again. Kids. Did you know that Bill Murray and company were not the original Ghostbusters, even though the cartoon in the mid-80s called it the real Ghostbusters? Before we get to the Ghostbusters, let's talk about how we got there. There used to be an animation studio in the 60s, 70s, 80s called Filmation, uh, one of the rival companies to Hanna-Barbera for Saturday morning cartoon supremacy. They started in the 1960s and made those old DC Comics cartoons that you may have seen on Boomerang or in discount video bins. Eventually, they made things like Fat Albert and The Cosby Show, you know, one of those shows we're not allowed to talk about anymore, and they eventually decided to branch off into live action, and when they did that, they came up with the Ghostbusters. These Ghostbusters were two bumbling detectives and their partner, who was a gorilla. Their names were Spencer, Tracy, and Kong. And yes, Kong was not the gorilla. 
Spencer was played by the great Larry Storch, Kong by the great Forrest Tucker, and Kong voiced, quote-unquote, by Bob Burns. Yes, this is Larry Storch and Forrest Tucker five or six years after the end of F Troop, making a Saturday morning kids cartoon, which is very campy, very slapstick, and very vaudeville. The show opened every week in a local graveyard where this week's villain would pop up, decide to live in a nearby castle, and then the Ghostbusters would go and have to hunt them down. We saw vampires, we saw mummies, we saw pirates, we saw Old West cowboys, creepy ventriloquist dolls, and in this clip, a certain infamous mad scientist. From the beyond are wearying, but perhaps this time I, Dr. Frankenstein, will find what I've been searching for for centuries. Come. Now this way, you oaf! That is why we must keep coming back in order to find the one thing I need to make you capable of following orders. Come. I know where there is a deserted castle. There we will begin our quest. To find the brain of the world's most gullible fool. Yes, that is indeed Bernie Capel from Get Smart, When Things Were Rotten, and The Love Boat, as Dr. Frankenstein. That's the kind of guest star you got on this show. Over the course of 15 episodes, you had people like Hunts Hall from the Bowery Boys, Ted Knight, Jim Backus... Marty Ingalls, Billy Barty, Carl Ballantyne, Joe E. Ross, and Saturday Morning TV veteran writer and performer Lenny Weinrib, who was once H.R. Puffin Stuff. As you mentioned, these episodes are pretty formulaic. The bad guys show up, the good guys get the assignment to catch them, usually in the same castle to the save on sets, and then they get, in the end, zapped by the ghost dematerializer end of show 22 minutes no harm no foul according to bob burns they filmed all 15 episodes over the space of nine weeks so these were pretty much done back to back to back to back despite the borscht belt comedy the show was actually very popular it was filmation's second highest rated saturday morning show that season behind the Shazam ISIS hour, but Filmation decided that to cancel it after one season and put more money into the other show. So we only have these 15 episodes. Or do we? We mentioned the other Ghostbusters. Well, Columbia actually had to license the rights for the Ghostbusters name for Ivan Reitman to make that film. And after the success, Filmation wanted to make a cartoon but Columbia wanted to make their own version. So in 1986, we got dueling Ghostbusters cartoons. There's the real Ghostbusters, made by Dick, which is the one that has the movie cast with Lorenzo Music as Peter Venkman and Arsenio Hall 
and a number of other people in that one. In the other Ghostbusters cartoon, we got the two original Ghostbusters, although not voiced by Tucker or Storch, and their sons, Jake Jr. and Eddie Jr., who take over the family business along with Tracy the Gorilla, and they fight Prime Evil and his assorted band of B-list bad guy monster villains. The cartoon's not that bad, but certainly not as good as the real Ghostbusters cartoon, which had veteran TV and animation writers on it, including J. Michael Straczynski, who would, of course, go on to fame making Babylon 5 and other things. Up next, those meddling kids, but not those meddling kids. Barbera had been making TV cartoons since 1957 with Rough and Ready, and certainly had plenty of hits like Huckleberry Hound and Yogi Bear, etc. But in 1969, that's when they came up with the formula a group of teens and an animal sidekick solving crime. Originally, Fred Silverman, who was head of CBS's daytime programming at the time, wanted to duplicate the success of the Archie's cartoon. So he told the guys at Hanna-Barbera that he wanted a teenage rock band that would solve mysteries. Well, we would, of course, get that eventually. But first, they decided to borrow the formula from Dobie Gillis and create the Scooby-Doo Gang originally named Mysteries 5. But we're not going to talk about Scooby-Doo, because Scooby-Doo was successful. We're going to talk... We may talk about Scooby-Doo on another podcast in the future. But today we're going to look at some of the Scooby-Doo knockoffs. The Scooby gang didn't play music, but just a year later, Hanna-Barbera gave us Josie and the Pussycats, who were a teenage rock band who solved mysteries, and conveniently enough, were part of the Archie universe. That same year, we also got the Harlem Globetrotters cartoon, where the basketball team went around solving mysteries on a bus with an old lady named Granny and a wisecracking dog. Sadly, none of the Globetrotters actually did their own voices. So we had Scatman Crothers as Metalark Lemon, Eddie Rochester Anderson as Bobby Joe, and Stu Gilliam as Curly Neal. The next year, we get the Funky Phantom, as we already heard. This time, we got three teens driving around, solving mysteries in their dune buggy. Remember, this is before Speed Buggy was its own show. Solving mysteries where they came upon an old house, the grandfather clock, when they fixed the hours. As the song says, 
when they fixed the clock, it released two Revolutionary War era ghosts. A man named Jonathan Wellington Muddlemore, who was eventually called Muggsy, and his cat named Boo. How did they get inside the clock, you ask? Well, they were hiding from some redcoats and got stuck inside the clock. And yes, died in the clock. And 200 years later, some pesky teens accidentally released them. So, of course, Muggsy decides to help them solve crime. Because why not? Among all the ghosts and pseudo-ghosts that the Funky Fam and crew could fight, there's one obvious choice. A Hanna-Barbera staple in these kind of shows. Hmm, I've been here before. It looks familiar even. Hey, we're in Sleepy Hollow. See? No wonder it looks familiar. It is familiar. I once knew a schoolmaster here until he dropped out of school. Out of town even. That sounds like the legend of Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, sort of a ghost story about Ichabod Crane and a mixed up mysterious headless horseman. <laughs> That's him! The Headless Horseman! Yep, the Headless Horseman. Of course Muggsy wouldn't have known Ichabod Crane 200 years ago. So the kids go to town to see what's going on, and lo and behold, the town is deserted, except for the lady that runs the inn, and the two competing bows for her affection... Richard Travers V, and Ichabod Crane, the descendant of the original. Things don't go exactly according to plan. Spoiler alert for a 30-year-old cartoon, this Ichabod actually turns out to be the Headless Horseman. If some of those voices sound familiar, that's because Muggsy was voiced by Dawes Butler using a voice very, very similar to the one that he used earlier in his Hanna-Barbera career for Snagglepuss. And one of the kids, Skip, as opposed to Augie and April, is voiced by former monkey Mickey Dolans, who during this time was doing a lot of voiceover work for Hanna-Barbera. Like many of the shows that follow the Scooby-Doo formula, Funky Phantom only got one season. It was then followed by The Amazing Chan and the Chan Clan, which was based on the classic film's with Detective Charlie Chan. In this show, we got to see Mr. Chan and 10 of his children. For those who have never seen Charlie Chan films, one of the jokes used to always be, uh, he referred to his children as number one son, number two son, etc. The show only lasted half a season, although it did have Kay Luke voicing Charlie Robert Ito, who people would know later go on to be on Quincy and other things, as Henry, who was number one son, and playing daughter Anne, Jodie Foster. After that, we start getting things like Josie and the Pussycats in Outer Space, the aforementioned Speed Buggy, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids, who were another rock band that went around solving mysteries, And then we come to Goober and the Ghost Chasers in 1973. Goober and the Ghost Chasers is an interesting show to look at because it mixes a number of these Hanna-Barbera formulas together all in one show. We've got a group of teens solving mysteries, and this time they actually work for Ghost Chasers magazine, and they have a bunch of wacky 
gimmicks they used to solve mysteries like the specter detector, poltergeist powder, and things like that. Their dog, Goober, is an actual ghost dog who will occasionally turn invisible when scared. He also does the Scooby-Doo thing where he can talk, although he does a lot of fourth wall breaking, so he's talking to the audience. Goober also comes a year after Hanna-Barbera had started doing the new Scooby-Doo Mysteries. Those are the hour-long episodes that had celebrity guests in them, like Mama Cass, Jerry Reed, and then fictional characters like the Adams Family, the Three Stooges, and even Batman and Robin. In Goober, we have, of all people, the Partridge Kids from the Partridge Family actually voicing their characters. They're only in the first handful of episodes. And then, oddly enough, next year, you would have the Partridge Family 2200 AD, which is the Partridge Family in a very Jetsons-looking-like future, where they are a rock band. But they are only the kids did their voices, and Susan Day for a while, Shirley Jones and David Cassidy never did the voices for that. But back to Goober, we have the Partridge Kids, but we also get some celebrity guests that they weren't able to fit onto the Scooby-Doo show. Wow! So this is Will Chamberlain's Dude Ranch. Now just remember, we're here to get a story for the Ghost Chasers magazine. Oh, a place like this couldn't really be haunted. I'm checking out. This place is full of ghosts. Hey, man. There's no such thing as. Yuck! Another one! Another what? Another ghost? Yeah, another ghost. Hey, it's nice to see you guys again. Oh, it's great to be here, Wilt. And we're looking forward to a fantastic story for Ghost Chasers magazine. Well, I sure hope you can come up with something. I can't keep a guest more than one night. Everybody thinks the ranch is haunted. Like how? <laughs> Like that. Will Chamberlain's Dude Ranch. Really, not as strange as Mama Cass's Ice Cream Factory that we saw in the new Scooby-Doo Mysteries. So after Goober and the Ghost Chasers, which again did not last very long, we get the same year we get Inch High Private Eye. We also, And then we get Hong Kong Fooey Clue Club, which now has two dogs and some medley teens. Jabberjaw, based on the popularity of Jaws, where we get a wisecracking undersea shark and some teens that solve mysteries. And then eventually Casper and the Angels, which is Casper the Friendly Ghost and some teens. The Shmoo, based on the classic little white blobby guy from Little Abner. Buford and the Galloping Ghost, who is an old Western prospector ghost. That's also the title of that episode of Goober and the Ghost Chasers we just watched. And there's Captain Caveman and so on and so on. And that's pretty much the 70s for this genre of Hanna-Barbera. And obviously into the 80s and beyond, Scooby-Doo itself became one of Hanna-Barbera's big cash cows and now Warner Brothers cash cows between... The movies and all the various spinoffs that we've had over the years. Some great, like Mystery Incorporated. Some not so great, anything involving Scrappy-Doo. 
And then, you know, things that have their own unique charm, like the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, because Vincent Price was on it. Thanks for listening to this and all of our other spooky-related content over the month here at When It Was Cool. Going forward, we'll probably be back to some more serious fear, although there are some more animated shows coming up on the plot in the future. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Well, pretty Mary Sunlight, she's all right with me. Pretty Mary Sunlight, she's everything I need. Some people sit around and they watch the world go by. They just don't know the fun they're missing. People see me happy and they sometimes ask me why. I tell them girls were made for kissing But I don't need to look around Cause I'm in heaven since I found my Pretty Mary Sunlight She's alright with me Pretty Mary Sunlight She's everything I need